0: This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Maximus Hunter.
1: And I'm Ren Wadsworth, and we are joined remotely by our three amazing reporters.
2: Hey everyone, this is Jonathan Boomtown Gillum for Sports
3: Boomtown. Hi there, this is Coda Babcock, and I'll be giving the COVID 19 outbreak update.
4: And this is Chrissy Conklin with your local news. We're going to kick it off with Jonathan
1: Gillum with sports, and then we're going to move on to the COVID-19 outbreak with Coda Babcock. And then we're going to listen to a little bit of local news with Chrissy, and then we'll kick it off with an interview Max did earlier this semester with Kelly Donovan.
0: And that is about the public health care option bill that is currently in the state senate. Uh, After that, we're going to have news to cure the blues, And our National Days of the Week with Ren. So, uh, first off, to kick it off, Boomtown! What is happening, or what isn't happening, in the world of sports?
2: (laughs) Hey everyone, it's Jonathan Boomtown here again on KCSU Fort Collins 90.5. For sports, I bring some good news for you for upcoming events if you need to get your sports fix in now there are virtual sports that are actually blowing up kind of across the web you can find some of these virtual sports on virtualsports.net or on nextvr.com and they will have more information for you furthermore there is currently a madden nfl game tournament Uh, the next one is going to be on april 22nd and that can be watched on youtube twitch and facebook or through your console service look for at madden football um, also, cool thing this afternoon, April 9th, around 5 pm Mountain Standard Time, the NBA 2K video game tournament will continue. This is really cool because it's a real NBA players playing each other in a video game. Today it features Portland's Hassan Whiteside against Andrew Andrew Drummond of Cleveland. Uh, there will also be two more matchups and there will be more tournament NBA tournament this weekend. Uh, those tournaments can be watched on ESPN. If not, they can be found on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, under the NBA2K channels. Additionally, additionally many sports teams will have live sports updates and events such as the Denver Nuggets today are holding a special sp- sports show. Um, you can find these informations on your team's respective websites and you can see the upcoming events of what they might be doing. Uh, the last big thing is the upcoming NFL draft. It's going to be on April 23rd. Last week, I provided a Broncos draft preview. I will also be releasing a Broncos rookie report after the draft is over, and that will be released on KCSUFM.com. Click on the menu and find sports. We're also producing awesome content there, even throughout this COVID ordeal. Uh, Check out the articles there if you might want to. Also, if you're missing that deep dive into sports and just need an awesome sports show, You can hear the Nick Baker Show starring Nick Baker, who's one of the most knowledgeable sports directors out there, and also myself, Sean Gardner, and Corey. We have a discussion, talk sports facts, have some friendly competitions, and we will continue talking the upcoming NFL draft as we have switched to the online slash recording format. So segments can be clicked on and listened to while following along with the written portion. If that interests anyone, you can listen to on Monday, is at 7 p.m. found on KCSUFM.com. You can look for the Nick Baker show online format. <clears throat> that is all for sports. I'm Jonathan Boomtown Gillum reporting for KCSU for cons.
0: Thanks, Boomtown. I'm excited to see what happens in the draft for the Broncos. I really am, especially with sports betting starting uh once this is all over.
2: Anything uh particular you're exciting for in the draft? Any big player names? Who's going to go first? Do you think it's going to be uh, Joe Burrow or do you think it's going to be uh, Tua? I got
0: to be honest with you. I'm not that knowledgeable about football. I usually find out who they are after they're on the Broncos.
2: <laughs> oh, I-, I didn't know if you had any like betting underway because you said betting. <laughs> oh, no,
0: that uh, I don't think that starts until uh, once the season starts. I'm not uh, 100% sure on that, though. But uh, something cool that we're starting now that you can do is if you're interested or if you have better opinions on sports than I have, you, can, uh, you can't you can text in anymore. But you can call us at our station number 970-491-5278. Uh, well, uh, I thought I could do it from memory. I don't have it in front of me. But yeah, you can call us at uh, 970-491-5278 and leave a voicemail and we, we'll get back to you on that. And we'll talk about it in later shows is a new cool thing we're doing. Also, our show is always up at KCSUFM.com, uh, right after every airing.
1: All righty. Jonathan talked a little bit about what's going on in the sports world and why it is the way it is. But we want to delve into more about what's going on with uh, COVID-19, the outbreak, coronavirus, and just everything in the world. So, Kota, what's going on with that?
3: Um, a lot actually. All right. So I'm Cotto Babcock and this is the COVID-19 outbreak update for Thursday, April 9th, 2020. Colorado State University's public safety team has sent out a new update on management of the COVID-19 outbreak for the remainder of a spring semester as well as the upcoming summer semester. Public health experts are now expecting the outbreak to last in autumn, but nothing has been explicitly stated about the fall 2020 semester yet. Colorado State University does not plan to resume any in-person activities this spring and all courses for the summer have been moved online. Many summer activities will not be held in person. Governor Jared Polis has extended the emergency disaster declaration to stay in effect until May 10, 2020, in hopes of flattening the curve. The governor also extended deadlines for state severance taxes by a month, making them due on May 15th instead of April 15th as a result of the virus. The FDA has recently issued a warning letter to the Genesis 2 Church of Health and Healing for marketing a miracle mineral solution as an effective prevention of and treatment option for COVID-19 these products contain the dangerous chemical chlorine dioxide and the fda has previously warned consumers not to drink or purchase these products when marketed as medical treatments before there's no current evidence to support these products safety or effectiveness in treating conditions like covid19 in adults or children it can actually cause more risk to patient health new studies show that the majority of new york's covid19 outbreak was transmitted by travelers who'd recently been to european nations There's also evidence to believe that the virus started making its way around the state in mid-February. Researchers were able to explore this due to mutations, creating differences between genome samples of the virus from Asia and those from Europe. The Center for Disease Control has issued new guidelines for essential workers on Wednesday. Essential employees are now able to go back to work or continue working, even if they have been exposed to people with COVID-19, provided that they are not experiencing symptoms and are following precautionary measures. Employers are asked to send, work, to send home workers immediately if they show any symptoms. The purpose of these new guidelines is to prevent massive worker shortages. These new measures come after data has already shown that 25% of people with COVID-19 experience no symptoms. As of 1:38 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, there are 450,682 confirmed COVID-19 cases and 16,231 deaths in the United States. This exceeds the overall number of deaths in China. To find out if you should be tested for coronavirus, visit cdc.gov slash coronavirus and navigate to the coronavirus self-checker. Some information was gathered using New York Times Coronavirus Live Updates feature. That's all for today's COVID-19 outbreak update. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on KCSU Fort Collins.
0: Thanks, Coda.
4: Thank you. Thank you, Coda.
0: All right. We are going to now have our local news with local news reporter Chrissy Conklin.
4: Hello! Thank you, Max. Uh, Hello, those of you who are tuning in. This is Chrissy Conklin, your local news host on the Rocky Mountain Review. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Let's kick it off with some news about Denver International Airport. A few episodes ago, we mentioned that DIA was celebrating its 25th anniversary, and for its birthday, the airport is getting a major facelift. DIA announced that they will be continuing their Great Hall project with Stantec as their lead designer. Stantec is an international professional services company specializing in the design and consulting industry. The airport's renovations will include a futuristic modeling of the Jeppesen Terminal with state-of-the-art technology to enhance the safety, speed, and security of passenger journeys. We can expect to see hybrid ticket counters that feature self-service bag drops, automated security screening lanes that will include automated tray returns, alarmed bag dividers, and remote screening that will allow for a less invasive traveler evaluation. The renovations will also include a more intuitive approach to traveler flow within the airport. Since it opened in 1995, DIA has become one of the world's busiest airline hubs. The airport hosts about 69 million passengers per year and is projected to see an increase of travelers by 23% in the next 15 years. In order to handle the estimated 110 million travelers per year, The Great Hall project is creating efficient expansion in order to accommodate for continued growth. The Great Hall project will cost anywhere between $170 and $210 million and is expected to be completed by 2024. Now let's visit some more news regarding COVID-19 and its impact on Colorado residents. As we all know, Colorado, like most states, was put on stay-at-home orders. These orders included a plea from Governor Polis to stay away from mountains, national forests, and state parks for the time being. But there seems to be some confusion and resistance from Colorado residents to follow these orders. Despite the fact that national forests and state parks have been closed, residents are using the fact that this is still legal for people to hike inside of them to cure their stir crazy. Residents of Colorado have taken it upon themselves to ignore stay-at-home orders and enjoy the outdoors instead. With people and families getting uncomfortable in quarantine, we are seeing an increase in outdoor activities with more people on the trails than normal. National Forest parking lots are full and overflowing onto road shoulders as people pack themselves into nature. Regan Cloudman, the spokesperson for Roosevelt National Forest Canyon Lakes District, was asked about the rules of recreation during this time. He said, we are temporarily discouraging recreation, but we understand that people want to go outside. All we ask is that visitors follow the state and federal orders to stay close to home and to visit our website for up-to-date information. Following these orders is extremely important for our nation's recovery, but we understand cabin fever can't take over. So here's some information on what is open and what is closed to Colorado residents during this time. The U.S. Forest Service's developed recreation sites are temporarily closed. This includes campgrounds, day use areas, picnic areas, restroom facilities, and trash cans. Dispersed camping, hiking, and river uses are allowed, though they remain discouraged. Colorado state parks are allowing dispersed hiking, biking, and fishing, but no camping. Larimer County Department of Natural Resources, parks, reservoirs, trails, open spaces, and boat ramps remain open, but all campgrounds, offices, and visitor centers are closed. Rocky Mountain National Park is closed. Fort Collins National Natural Areas and City Trails are open, The city has a webcam view of the parking lots in several natural areas and encourages residents to check these cameras before they go to avoid overcrowding and close contact. If you choose to explore the outdoors during this time, here are the guidelines for safe recreation. Stay close to home to keep other communities safe, stay six feet apart from others, wear a cloth mask over your mouth and nose, avoid crowding in parking lots, trails, and scenic overlooks, and prepare for no services such as restroom facilities and garbage collection. They also wanted to mention that in addition to national and state parks closing, it's important to recognize and respect county precautions as well. Gunnison County is prohibiting all visitors, including non-resident homeowners, with a threat of jail time and fines if people disobey. So let's wrap up our local report with some more cheerful news. During this time, the Salvation Army is continuing to provide its traditional services of serving food and shelter. In an effort to follow the laws of social distancing, the Salvation Army of Fort Collins has created a drive up and walk up window to their 3901 South Mason Street location to provide breakfast, lunch and food baskets to those in need. In the last two weeks, this location has helped 1,275 families and individuals in connection to the COVID-19 crisis. The Salvation Army wants their community members to know that they are welcome to stop by their Fort Collins Mason Street location to receive a food box. They are open for business from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. The Salvation Army is in urgent need of food, hygiene items, and financial assistance in order to continue providing for struggling populations during this time. If you are able to help this organization, the Fort Collins location will be accepting donations between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. To learn more about how you can get help or give help, visit fortcollins.salvationarmy.org. That's all I've got for our listeners today. This has been Chrissy Conklin with your local news on the Rocky Mountain Review. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Thank you
0: so much, Chrissy. You're welcome. Yeah, and with that, we are going to take a break, but we will be back. My name is Maximus Hunter.
1: And I'm Ren Wadsworth, and we are joined remotely in the studio with all of our uh, reporters.
2: It's Jonathan Boomtown Gillum for sports.
0: Uh, Coda left, uh, but Coda Babcock was doing the COVID 19 news.
4: And Chrissy Conklin with your local news. And
1: you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review only on 90.5 KCSU, for Collins.
0: And we're back with the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Maximus Hunter
1: and I'm Ren Wadsworth and we just heard from one of our reporters Chrissy Conklin about what is going on in Fort Collins and then right before that we had Coda Babcock with the COVID-19 outbreak update and then right before that we had Jonathan Gilham with sports and we are fortunate enough to have two of them in the studio
4: if they'd like to introduce themselves.
2: Yes, it's Jonathan Boomtown Gillham right here.
4: And Chrissy Conklin good to see you guys or I guess talk to you guys.
2: <laughs> it's good to talk to you all, too. All right.
0: We're going to go into our uh, next piece, which is an interview we did right before everyone went on quarantine with State Senator Kerry Donovan about Colorado's new proposed public health care option. So we're going to be jumping right into that. This is the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins. Hi, Senator Donovan. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk with me today. No, no happy.
5: Glad you guys reached out.
0: Yeah, well, this is uh, this is pretty exciting. So we're here to talk about the Colorado option.
5: Yes, an exciting step forward in healthcare for the individual market in Colorado.
0: So, just right off the bat, uh, what made new legislation for a public health insurance option necessary?
5: Yeah, the reason we are presenting legislation this year is this is the result of a multi-year process of trying to address the ongoing issue of the rising cost of healthcare, and where we're seeing that most acutely is in the individual market. And that is an important market for the area of the state that I represent, because up in the agricultural communities and in the resort and tourism-based communities, you're going to see a lot of people that have to purchase their own insurance because they don't get it through their employers. And so when people were starting to see their cost of health care rival the cost of their mortgage, it was time to take some big steps down at the Capitol.
0: So how long did this bill take you to make?
5: We started on this concept years ago, but I would say that the actual drafting of the bill that we are presenting in committee today started last year with House Bill 1004, and that bill asked the state to take some time over the summer and come back with some expert analysis of how to do a public option in the state of Colorado. My partner on this bill, Representative Roberts, and I then started to take that information from the experts that did the study and craft the bill over the past few months that we introduced last week.
0: Like you said, some people's private health insurance options can end up rivaling the payments of their mortgage or other serious payments. How affordable do you think the public option will end up being?
5: The public option we think will be 9 to 20% cheaper than current plans.
0: Will all the same things be covered?
5: Yeah, they'll have to meet the same thresholds of the silver and bronze plans that are that are offered in the affordable care market right now. So they'll have to be a what we call a federally qualified plan.
0: So with the silver and bronze plans, what isn't covered?
5: The silver and bronze plans cover what you would think of as like a mid-range good health care plan, including, you know, routine visits and even mental health visits as well.
0: Section E of the legislative declaration in the bill requires that, and I'm quoting here, all compensation and rebates from prescription drug manufacturers paid to carriers or pharmacy benefit management firms be passed through as savings to policyholders. How's that going to work and how do you intend to accomplish it?
5: Yeah, so this will be one of the ways that we secure reducing the cost of health care because right now there can be compensation and rebates that are intended to get to a policy holder that never reach them because middlemen take away at them little piece by little piece. So the legislative declaration is kind of the narrative explanation of what the bill is intended to do. And then later on in the bill is the legal language that requires that to happen. And so there's kind of three parts of the Colorado option. One aspect of that is asking the prescription drug manufacturers to do a 100% pass-through of benefits to policyholders.
0: How will you enforce this bill and this public health care program with hospitals and health care providers?
5: Yeah, the enforcement will come through the licensing of hospitals. And so we'll be able to say, if you don't participate in this plan and you can't prove to us that you don't have a reason to participate in it, i.e., you know, it would cause significant financial burden on your institution, the Colorado Department of Public Health may find hospitals that don't participate.
0: This plan comes into effect in 2022, correct?
5: Yes, on the individual market would be offered in 2022.
0: But a bit of time before then, what needs to get done before that?
5: Yeah, between now and 2022, um, obviously our first big step is getting the bill passed into law. After it's passed into law and signed by the governor, the board will be appointed by both Republicans and Democrats and the governor. And then that board will begin working with the commissioner to design the plan and make basically a product that will then be able to be handed off to the private insurance industry to be able to sell across the state.
0: There are some pretty interesting stipulations in the text of the bill for who would be appointed to the board. And one something I found very interesting was that it notes that at least two of the board appointees have to represent the people who would benefit the most from this, so the people who can't afford private insurance as it is now. How do you go about picking someone to represent those people accurately?
5: Yeah, this is a common practice in the General Assembly. We have a lot of strong boards and commissions in Colorado, and there's actually... A person that works for the governor that does this full time, investigates vets, interviews, and finds people to fill these roles on the boards and commissions. And so in this case, the way the board is structured is we have all these different voices that we want to make sure are on the board to ensure that as this public option, this Colorado option is rolled out, that it actually benefits the people that we are trying to help. And so the voices of the consumers will be very important on that, that board. They'll go through an interview process, they'll be vetted, and then it, all boards, are they serve basically at the pleasure of the governor. So if there's anyone who doesn't seem like a great fit, they can be removed and replaced. But the board also has to have experience in a number of different areas. And so you could have someone who could fill multiple roles so that we have a very experienced and informed board that has, you know, the knowledge and experience to create the Colorado option.
0: So like you said, this bill isn't signed into law yet. Uh, From your perspective, what is the process of getting it signed into law look like? And how do you feel about it?
5: Yeah. So today we're chatting. It's March 11th. The bill is in its first committee hearing. Each bill has at least one public hearing in each chamber and then at least two readings of the bill on on the floor. So it's starting in the House. It'll need to go through a couple committees in the House, then go through second and third reading on the floor, gain a simple majority vote to advance out of the House. Then it'll come over to the Senate and go through a similar process of being heard in committee taking public testimony, and then moving on to the floor for debate by the senators to ultimately have its final vote that would send it to the governor's desk to be signed into law.
2: And what do
0: you think the likelihood is that it'll get there?
5: This bill has incredible support across the state. The polling on it is in the high 70s that people are really looking for an answer for high-quality affordable health care. So if, you know, if folks are listening, if the electeds in the Capitol are listening to the people that they represent, I'm very hopeful that this bill can gain the support to be passed into law.
0: Do you think it could be passed into law as the text is now with no major changes?
5: No, we are already offering amendments on the bill. Both Representative Roberts and I believe in responding to feedback that we hear. So we are offering uh, five amendments today. I don't think that will be the end of it as we continue To work on what is a very complex policy, but we are excited to continue to do that work to make sure that we have the best bill at the end of the day.
0: Is there anything you can tell me about these five amendments?
5: Some of them, they are, they are in response. Some of them are quite technical. Just the way, you know, the wording fell on the page, we felt that we could do it better. So, but largely feedback from stakeholder group that we met with a couple of days ago that was largely, I would say, the hospitals and the plan. So those in opposition of the bill.
0: So I'm curious and it's, you are talking to stakeholder groups. How have private insurance companies reacted to this?
5: I've had a couple meetings with them. I wouldn't say there's uniform opposition to the bill. Um, some plans have different concerns, but we are trying to address those as the bill goes through the process.
0: All right. I'm going to wrap things up here, but I, I am curious. So there have been a lot of health care related bills being introduced in the state Senate in the last month alone. Does this bill relate? to those? Does it work in tandem with those? Is this a coordinated effort to do health care reform in Colorado?
5: The public option is trying to address the very specific problem of the exorbitant cost of health care on the individual market in Colorado. Of course, all bills have impacts on each other. But I think you're seeing so many bills on health care because if you go to the average person on the street and talk to them how their health care is working, and if they don't have Medicare or Medicaid, you're probably going to hear some pretty big concerns from them. And so you're seeing the General Assembly, you know, and our job here is to represent the public at large and push back against large corporations and kind of those big corporate machines we have out there. So I think that's why you're seeing so many bills on healthcare, and and will likely continue to see them. There's also an impact of what happens at the state of inaction at the federal level. So the more that we see our electives in D.C. unable to make progress on an issue as important to health care, the next stage of government that can really take on those big issues is at the state. And so that's also, I think, while you're seeing a number of bills this session on health care.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Senator Donovan.
5: Thank you for reaching out on this. It is a really important topic, especially for those who are just entering the workforce and may indeed find them ha- themselves having to buy on the individual market once they get off their parents' plans. So I really hope this has a good impact for young adults across Colorado.
0: But I'm curious. So you, you talked about f- fighting for the people against corporations that may not have their best interests at heart. And in this case, specifically, those corporations would be insurance corporations. But you are having listening sessions with the insurance corporations to talk about this bill philosophically, how do you approach creating law designed to rein in a corporation that may be out of control while still working with the corporation to design the law?
5: Yeah. I mean, one of the things we are trying to address with the Colorado option is asking our large hospital systems to come to the table and be part of the solution we are seeing hospital systems in Colorado make very large profits. Now, not all hospitals are the same, and we don't intend to treat all hospitals the same. Some hospitals, particularly those in rural Colorado, are just getting by, and we're going to treat those separately. But hospitals that have multiple C-suites, that have six-figure salaries, and are making huge profits year over year, they need to be part of the healthcare solution. And this bill asks them, to not, we're not asking any hospital to not make profit by serving people on the individual market. We're just asking them to make a little less profit so the state can pass those savings on to the individuals.
0: But what about the insurance companies?
5: Insurance companies are also part of this bill. Um, in the Affordable Care Act, there was a lot of work done on the profit margins of the insurance companies because we were seeing very inflated big profits of these big corporations. And so the Affordable Care Act really took a stab at that and said, hey, you can only make a certain amount of profit. The rest of what you bring in needs to be passed on to the policy owner. This bill continues that expectation because the state will be doing a lot of the legwork that the insurance company would normally do, for example, designing the plan, negotiating rates. We think that the insurance companies can afford to pass more of their profits on to the policyholder. And so you'll see that talked about as the medical loss ratio in this bill. And we're increasing it to 85%. So we're asking them to put 5% more of their money towards the policyholder, ultimately, therefore, saving the policyholder money.
0: Personally, I think that's fascinating. Thank you so much for talking with me today, Senator.
5: You are very welcome, and thank you so much for having an interest in this um, important topic. Colorado is the only state right now who's working on a concept around a public option. We're calling it the, ours—the Colorado option—because it's a little bit different, but it's a it's a plan designed to fit Colorado and to help people of Colorado. <music>
0: and we're back with the rocky mountain review my name is maximus hunter
1: and i'm ren wadsworth and you just heard an interview by uh, kelly donovan that we were able to get right before the quarantine and max can talk a little bit more about that
0: yep we were just talking about uh colorado's new proposed public health care option and if you missed that and you like to hear it all of our shows are available at kcsufm.com
1: yeah and we are in the studio well not the studio we are joined remotely by Jonathan Gillum and Chrissy Conklin if they'd like to introduce themselves real fast.
2: Hey everyone, it's Jonathan Boomtown here, Uh, excited for another segment of this show. It's really fun to be here with you guys.
4: And this is Chrissy Conklin with your local news.
0: Thanks y'all. So we're going to jump into a new segment that I've been making called News to Cure the Blues and it's just some good news to help get you through your quarantine. With the reality of COVID 19 and quarantine keeping Americans stuck indoors, it can be tough to face the day. However, good news still exists, even in times like these. I'm 90.5 KCSU News Director Max Hunter, and this is News to Cure the Blues. You may not know their names, but you've probably heard the story of Lili Li and Ying Ying, two giant pandas living together in Ocean Park, Hong Kong. Lili Li and Ying Ying have lived in Ocean Park since 2007, where they were part of a panda breeding program. The pair have been the subject of many news articles over the last 10 years, mainly due to the fact that they have never bred despite zookeepers' best attempts. While the panda's inability to mate has confused zookeepers and researchers alike, the recent coronavirus lockdown in China and subsequent zoo closure has shed some light on the potential issue. They needed more privacy. Two days ago, the Ocean Park Zoo announced that Lili and Yingying had successfully mated in the closed zoo. According to the press release, the zoo is hopeful this will lead to Lili and Yingying's first panda cubs later this year. You can find a link to Ocean Park's press release on our website, kcsufm.com. For some conservationists, Lili and Yingying have been a source of debate regarding the effectiveness of zoo breeding programs. For some, the previous lack of success from Lili and Yingying was an example of why zoo breeding programs fail. The zoos don't feel that way, researchers at the San Diego Zoo who have one of the largest zoo breeding programs in the world, emphasized the need for captive breeding programs in order to bolster animal populations and raise baby animals so they can be sent into the wild. Larry Fink is another name you've probably never heard before, unless you're very knowledgeable about the business world. Larry Fink runs BlackRock, the world's largest asset management company. As of last year, BlackRock had over $7.4 trillion worth of assets in the company's holdings. According to Investopedia, BlackRock is the world's largest provider of exchange-traded funds, or ETFs, and owns the money and assets of major companies all over the world. Now, Larry Fink has decided to use BlackRock to fight climate change. On April 7th, Fink sent out his yearly letter to shareholders and client CEOs, letting them know that climate change was going to be his primary investing focus from now on. Fink emphasizes that his role, and that of all other CEOs, should be to ensure stability in the future for the general public, not just for shareholders. Not only does the letter say Fink thinks that serious action against global warming is a CEO's responsibility, but he's acting on it. Since BlackRock is an asset management company, they can't control if their clients are causing environmental damage, but they are now going to require comprehensive reports of climate impact from any entity that requests loans or assets from them. BlackRock is also moving to divest in coal and fossil fuels, and will be divesting from any company that uses those for more than 25% of their business. You can read the full letter on BlackRock's website. As this move is intended to motivate BlackRock's clients to invest in fighting climate change, it'll be interesting to see if other major businesses follow suit. This has been News to Cure the Blues. All music in this episode was made by me, and I'm 90.5 KCSU News Director Max Hunter. Let's all try to stay healthy, well-rested, and positive.
1: I'm always blown away by how cool that segment is.
0: Thanks, Ren. Yeah, uh, for sure. I-, I always have fun making it. But uh, Yeah, it cures, it
2: cures my blues.
4: <laughs> Here's my blues too.
0: Thanks, y'all. I I, I really uh, I love that that last story that some major uh, corporate titans are taking global warming really seriously.
1: Yeah, that is really cool. That,
0: that uh, well, they yeah. should. You know, there's
2: uh there was the pledge. You know, at the summit back in 2017, that everyone was going to try to get rid of all their carbon emissions by 2050, and we'll see how that works out.
0: yeah that's what they're uh that's what he's citing in that letter and uh you can find the text to each of those episodes and all the links that i use to make them on kcsufm.com but uh there's something else we got to move on to and i'm very curious Ren. what day is it today today well
1: today is the 9th though it kind of feels like the 29th um in quarantine not gonna lie Um, But today is actually pretty interesting. It has some pretty cool national days going on today. So first and foremost, today is National Cherish and and Antique Day. And National Cherish and Antique Day encourages you to look deeper at family heirlooms and relics and find a new meaning to them. Antiques are more than a dollar sign. And whether they have just been passed down for generations or it's new to the family, antiques are rooted in history. Today challenges you to explore that history for yourself. Today is also National Chinese Almond Cookie Day. These crunchy almond cookies have been around for centuries, and today celebrates them. Due to both their texture and flavor, the cookie is often paired with various types of teas. And if you've ever thought that your name didn't fit you, or you've wanted to try a new name, National Name Yourself Day offers you a chance to do that. Changing your name is an easy way to reinvent yourself, so for whatever reason, if you've ever wanted a new name, today's your chance to try it out who knows it might just stick and the last national day today is national unicorn day Uh, the mythological creature has been around since ancient greece with its pointed horn and horse-like physique the unicorn has captured hearts and imaginations around the world the unicorn is featured in books movies and stories of all genres and that is all i have but i did want to ask you kind of going in uh, the theme of the national days since it is national name yourself day to day if you guys could name yourselves what would you name yourself let's start with Max who oh, already man. has a pretty cool name Maximus
0: oh I thought you were about to talk about my uh my fake name I use which I, I use consistently so uh if I were to name myself which I already have sometimes I would go by Calvin Sterling Suave Ooh, detective. That kind of slash sounds like
1: a spy name, yeah.
2: Millionaire.
1: Ooh. Slash news report. How about you, Jonathan?
2: You know, I, I have already been given I don't like to give myself my own name. I like if someone comes up with a nickname for me, uh it kinda I don't know what I would name myself, I guess. Just maybe a short shortened version. Call me Jay instead of Jonathan, because then it's quicker. That's that's pretty much all I got.
4: All right, Chrissy. Um, I can't think of a name that I would want to name myself, but everybody from my hometown in New Hampshire calls me Pistol, as in Pistol That's Chrissy. Cool.
0: That's pretty that cool. That is pretty
4: cool. It is pretty cool. I, I have it tattooed inside my lip. Nice.
1: <laughs> nice. What? Yeah,
4: That's so awesome. I, I'm labeled forever, so I can't shake that one.
0: Well, uh, if uh, we it start, like, our post corona apocalypse no. gang, it'll be uh, Calvin Sterling... Pistol. I, wait, Ren. What did you say yours was again?
1: Oh, I didn't say.
3: Oh yeah. Wait, what's um, yours? I talked about.
1: <laughs> it's okay. I talked about it briefly with you. So it would be one of two things. My parents almost named me Ash B, like A S H B E E, and that's the name of my like cosplay company. So that'd be a cool name. Or I'm kind of debating changing my name for news. So maybe Carrington Carlisle. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I like
0: that. That'll, that Ooh, one also. Ooh, that feel has like that. That-
1: yeah,
4: that, that has a nice ring
0: really to it. Good. Yeah. Secret agent thing, yeah.
4: Yeah. Wow, dream dream team uh, yeah. right
0: here. Yeah, it is.
4: There
0: we go. <laughs> All right, and uh, with that, there's only one more thing left to do, and I just opened my window, so I can really feel it. Oh, oh no, yeah. That's the wrong music. <laughs> that's the right music. I can. Yeah, feel it. it's. There's it's something coming. coming. It's time for the weather. woo whoop whoop. Well, the beginning of this week was warm and sunny. Today has cooled down to a high of 55 degrees with lots of cloud coverage. The clouds are going to stick around as you move into Friday, but that temperature is going to hit a peak at about 69 degrees on both Friday and Saturday. But you are going to be in for a surprise as you move into next week. Temperatures are going to drop. Over 30 degrees to a high of 29 on Sunday and 35 on Monday with a high chance of snow on both days. If you're wondering if this winter weather is going to stick around for longer, you're going to have to tune in to the Rocky Mountain Review next Tuesday to see if it clears up. <laughs> and that's our show. Uh, thank you so much for uh, listening.
1: Yeah, but before we sign out for the day, we do have to give a couple of thank yous. First and foremost, to our amazing reporters who uh, came in remotely and did the show with us. So we have two still here, and that's going to be Jonathan and Chrissy, if you guys would like to say a final goodbye.
2: Yes, uh, Jonathan here, and another fantastic show, another great segment I'm glad to do sports and just get to listen to the show. And I hope everyone is staying healthy and has a wonderful rest of the week.
4: And this is Chrissy Conklin with your local news. And I can't wait to meet you guys here next Thursday.
0: Right on. And we'd like to thank everyone who helped us uh, make the show. That's everyone in our studio. Uh, Hannah Copeland, Julia Badalese, Isaiah Reyes, uh, Asher, Hunter, everybody. And uh, I got to thank you, Ren. Thank you. Uh, you know, the show, I'm so blessed to get to make the show with you. And I think we have a really good time.
1: Aww. Um, before I thank you, Max, I wanted to thank Coda Babcock, who is our other oh, reporter yes. who unfortunately had to sign out real fast. But we do want to thank him for all of the amazing content he brings to the show. Um, and I have to thank you, Max. It is such... A blessing, just like you said, to be able to do this show. Even though we are in quarantine, it is the highlight—well, double highlight—of my week to still be able to do this show.
0: Right? It's awesome. It's so much fun. And thank you for listening. And with that, we'll see you next. We'll see time. you
1: next time. <laughs>